to the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast, Adapting Leadership to the Virtual Environment. I'm Veronica Hill, and today we're joined by Tori Taj, the CEO of Child Crisis Arizona. Welcome, Tori, and thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us about adaptive leadership. Thank you. I'm happy to be here today. So in the last few episodes, we've been talking about things unique to businesses and organizations operating remotely or entirely virtually. So when you break it down, adaptive leadership has become an essential guiding principle in navigating change successfully and sustainably, especially in the current climate where leaders have found themselves having to completely restructure workloads, team members, and resources. So this is a timely discussion, and I'm so glad you're here to have it with us today. So Tori, I know you have over 28 years of experience in nonprofit leadership and philanthropy, and I'm really excited to get your perspective on adaptive leadership and how it's evolving, especially in a remote and virtual world. To get us started, can you tell us a bit about yourself and Child Crisis Arizona? You bet. Well, I am happy to be here. And again, uh, my name is Tori Taj, and I am the leader of this incredible organization called Child Crisis Arizona, where our you know vision is simple. It's safe kids and strong families. And uh, we have been around. Uh, we are entering into our fifth decade of service. And um, it is my pleasure to be able to help um, help prevent child abuse and neglect, and also to help um, serve children and families when they are in crisis. So we have a variety of programs at Child Crisis Arizona. And again, we do a lot of intervention work and we take care of crisis um, in the time where children and families need it. But more importantly, I'm very passionate and I love to see our agency's growth with prevention services. And wouldn't it be great if we could work ourselves out of a job and not have child welfare anymore? So really what we've been doing is working on prevention services at Child Crisis Arizona. That's a little bit about what we do here. Um, And as far as myself, a little bit about me, I'm a mom of three. Um, I am the leader of this organization. I am a community volunteer and um, just really have found my calling and love the meaningful work that I get to do each and every day. That's awesome. Such powerful and incredible initiative and mission that you're on. And so I'd like to ask you, there's been an uptick in commentaries on how adaptive leadership has been key in the transition to fully remote and virtual teams, as leaders are forced to come up with ways to collaborate and share information creatively and succinctly. So as you said, you're in the one of uh, your initiatives is prevention. So what's been your experience with that? And did you have an emergency prepared? preparedness plan in place that specifically addressed pandemics? So probably um, the answer to that is the most important emergency preparedness plan that you can have at any organization, not specifically to a pandemic, is called a crisis communication plan. And to know how you are going to respond to any sort of crisis. So asking if we had something specific to the pandemic itself Not really, but a Child Crisis Arizona, Crisis is our middle name. And so being able to come together as a team and have a plan in place where you know who is going to make the decisions 
who and how you communicate those decisions, that's the most important skill that a team can have in advance. And having that crisis communication plan um, is truly the most important thing, whether it's a fire, a natural disaster, something that happens in one of our shelters or homes. Um, It's really about how are you and your teammates going to be able to problem solve the crisis at hand? I'm so glad you brought that up crisis communication plan. And so I think if you could just elaborate a little bit more on how that uh, you applied adaptive leadership, you know, within uh, that crisis communication plan to bridge the gap uh, to uh, where your organization, uh, the level of preparedness prior to the pandemic uh, to where you are now. You bet. So with a crisis communication plan, you have your your crisis team who is going to communicate. And obviously, in the early days of the pandemic, um, we were still all coming to work. And so we started communicating and touching base on a daily basis um, in person. But we had to shift and we had to adapt and we had to become flexible. Obviously, we have all had cell phones for quite some time, and so we utilized those cell phones. We utilized text groups, and then soon after that, we transitioned to um, Zoom and then to our Microsoft Teams, and so we started incorporating other methods, how we were going to communicate and make decisions, and then from there, we would decide in the past we had a phone tree. You know, the CEO was to communicate with the board and the uh, VP of operations was going to communicate with specific people. We didn't always do that by phone. We did that through FaceTime. We did that through um, email. And so really, we have adapted our crisis communication methods in order to be able to communicate, talk to each other and make sure that we had, um, you know, boots on the ground in the programs and homes that we still needed to have people at through the pandemic. So as you mentioned, just uh, as, uh, as just as you have done, as organizations pivot online from brick and mortar, uh, uh, what seems for what seems to be the long haul, um, you know, as you're having to innovate and conduct business while continuing to build relationships. So can you talk to some of the unique challenges that you have faced and how you've overcome them in terms of building and strengthening dynamic uh, teams? You bet. So um, let's see. How do we conduct business while continuing to build relationships? So we've had to be, um, you know, innovative, just like everybody else. We have had to figure out how to stay connected. And so instead of the, um, we have 250 employees at Child Crisis Arizona, and we were doing a once a month employee newsletter. And many organizations, you know, used to do that. And they're still doing that. But what we did is we started doing once a week and it was a video newsletter that I would videotape and email out and it was um, it was easier and it was different. So that was one way that we stayed in communication with all of our employees. We still had over half of our employees that needed to be 
on site. We're a human service provider. So we provide services through people. And so at our shelters and our homes, we were still providing that service. And I think for those employees, um, we were trying to have less traffic in and out of our shelters and homes. And so our leadership team wasn't in and out as much our essential workers were, but we were communicating through video. So that was one way. Another way um, that we communicated and that we conducted business and built the relationships with our employees. Like everyone else, we had at least a 10%, you know, coronavirus positivity rate with our employees at the time. And it's gone up since then. But, um, you know, we delivered care packages to them when they were at home. And uh, whether it was groceries or flowers or tea bags, um, fruit, you name it, we did that. Uh, we also started something called um, Thankful Thursdays. And so for our employees who were, you know, the essential workers who were coming to work every day to care for the babies and the children and the teens in our care, uh, we started providing lunches on shift. And that was something we have cooks that prepare food for the children and the staff are able to eat those meals but we did something special. So we asked them, what is it that, you know, you would like? And, you know, sometimes it was just a pizza party. Other times we did ice cream uh, socials and they weren't really social because we were distanced, um, socially distanced. And we had ice cream trucks come and park outside so that our employees could take a break um, from their shift go outside, get an ice cream, or, you know, everything was individually wrapped, a popsicle. And then the children in our care were also able to do that. So that was another way to really show our employees that we are, that we are here. We want to be supportive of them. And that was something new just to get them out of the house or the houses, the shelters. Um, as far as, um, so we communicated in different ways. Um, we also did this with our clients. So the virtual environment was really important for us. So at our counseling program, we were able to go online and do telehealth. And what a wonderful thing that has been for the world to be able to connect with their therapist or their doctor um, online. And so we were able to do that with children and our counselors were able to stay connected. Um, another example of how we did that is we do home visits and we license families who are interested to um, uh, becoming a foster family. So we have potential foster families that go through a training and that used to be in person. And it was really important for us as the licensing agency to get to know these families and make sure they went through all the training. And we've had to get to know these families who are going to then take, um, you know, take their home and get it licensed and then serve children, you know, and foster them from our shelters or group home. We've had to get to know them and train them over the Internet. And so that's been interesting. So we've done that service and gotten to know them. And at first we thought, no, we're not going to really be able to go and do a home visit and make sure that, you know, medications are locked up and all the things and regulations we have to check for. But we really, we really were able to do that. And we did it through a variety of, you know, 
different apps, whether it's FaceTime and different technology, but we were able to shift and do all that. And so that was an important element. So those are just a couple of examples of how we were able to adapt and go online and still stay connected with um, number one, our employees, which it's really important the employees feel supported because they can't do a good job um, delivering a service unless they feel supported. And then number two, all of the families that we're serving out in the community. I love that, Tori, especially what I'm hearing from you the entire time is uh, the sense of empathy and connectedness and just the the sense of humanity that you're essentially just saying, I value you, I see you, we see you, we're in this together. So I think for me, uh, just as an observer and a listener, that's what I take from, you know, uh, empathy is adaptive, you know, is a component of adaptive leadership because you're having to put in, uh, you know, that extra touch of uh, compassion to connect with the people and you guys are doing just that. And so that's amazing. So I think just to kind of piggyback onto that, you know, obviously, obviously something we can all relate to is the need to develop those opportunities for connection, especially in the virtual environment, you know, because it is so difficult to create, to recreate, you know, those round table and water cooler moments. So if you could, can you share some of the key elements of adaptive leadership that maybe you have found the most beneficial in building community, uh, but outside of professional agendas among the remote and virtual teams, especially since you have uh, a hybrid model that you're working with? Yeah, so I I think um, you hit on it. And it's empathy. And we need to lead with, um, as a leader, I mean, one of the most important things is to listen to your gut. And listen to that sense that you have in you. And yes, we need to lead with our heads, but we also have to lead with our hearts. And so being able to connect with employees and to acknowledge um, the fears that they're having and the struggles that they're having. And they might have, you know, for half of our workforce that went home and right now we're like still partially remote and we're taking turns in the office, but it's really, you know, do you have children at home that are doing school? Do you need to be at home? And what days do you need to work from home or come into the office if that's an option for their job? So really leading with your head and your heart, um, adaptive leadership. And, you know, one of the things and the tools that I always um, have used, but we've really uh, continued to use it throughout the pandemic and it works really well. And um, that's this idea of, you know, celebrating what's going well. So it's the WWW. We always take time and do a shout out or give kudos to some type of program for what's going well. What went well? WWW. And so while that's good to celebrate your successes and talk about what's going well at work, at home, during the pandemic, with technology, whatever the case, with your laptop, we also always will look at EBI. And you have to look at the other side. So EBI stands for even better if. So it's not feeling like, okay, it's we're being critical about everything. It's how do we make things better? So we talked about WWW, what went well, but what's an EBI? And we never leave a meeting without talking about this will be even better if. And so we challenge our employees. Uh, We end every meeting with what went well and what could be even better if. 
and we ask for those opportunities. We ask for those suggestions. And, you know, the old way, you know, that people used to talk about this was continuous quality improvement or PQI, but really we just keep it really simple. WWW, what went well? And every single time we look at EBI, what would be even better if? And that has truly been so helpful um, throughout the pandemic. And for, for me as a leader to um, have others see that, you know, we celebrate what's working, but we always need to be continuing to um, look at ways that we can be flexible and adapt and make things even better. Tori, that was so incredibly insightful practical and valuable. Thank you. I personally took those nuggets with me. Um, before we let you go, is there any uh, additional piece of, pieces of advice or bits of wisdom you want to leave with us? I know for sure I'm taking WWW and EBI with me, but any last minute thing you haven't shared uh, that could benefit us even more? You know, I think as um, from a leader's perspective, again, Uh, The most important uh, quality is how am I going to sustain us? I can't just think about today. I always need to be thinking about tomorrow. Management thinks about today, but true leaders will think about tomorrow and the sustainability of your business, of your nonprofit, of your organization. And so for me, um, you know, this was really validating that we had that 90 days Um, cash on hand, that best practice that we're all supposed to have. And as a nonprofit, you know, sometimes um, nonprofits get a pass and they they don't have money in the bank and they don't have that savings account or that emergency fund. And I was so glad um, that we had ours and 90 days isn't enough as we've learned throughout the pandemic. And so I want to go back to, you know, some of the things that I think are really important for leaders to think about is, are you thinking about today or tomorrow? I'm so glad we thought about tomorrow, but we need to do even better. It's not, you know, 90 days is not sufficient. It needs to be at least six months cash on hand. You need to have that. So that's one. Um, Two, um, organizational infrastructure. You have to have the infrastructure in order to be flexible and to have those minds that will help you think outside of the box and be able to respond to what the crisis is. So the organizational infrastructure is key. You have to be flexible. Um, So that would be third. I think that what everybody has learned through the pandemic is that flexibility is so important. And um, again, crisis communication plan. And, you know, the most important thing is having a team that is in sync. You are all working towards the same mission or the same goal. You know what your values are and you are solid as a team to be there for each other, have each other's backs and to encourage and lift each other up. So that would be my those would be my parting words of wisdom for a leader uh, for this podcast today, Veronica. Those were so awesome. Tori Taj, thank you so much for joining us in support of the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations. We truly appreciate your insights and we know our listeners will benefit from your experience. Thanks for having me.